There we go. Well, again, welcome. Good to be together for those in the room. Glad to be here and um, be able to see some faces. And for those joining us online, we're so glad that you are um, with us and um, just uh, glad that we can continue meeting, um, whether online or in person. So welcome and good morning again. Um, I want you to take a moment. Um, if, you're, if you're online, you can comment if you want to, to interact. Let us know you're there. Say hello. But think of what is something this morning that you are thankful for? And if you're in the room, just think about it. What's something that you're thankful for? I think it's so important sometimes to like kind of flex our gratitude muscles. It reminds us of the goodness of God. It reminds us um, that He is our, our, uh, our loving Father providing for us. And so just even some of the things like, hey, I've got a place to live. I've got food, all those things. But then just the, the grace of God's towards us, the patience of God. So what is something that you are thankful for? And let's be a church that remembers to be thankful. All right, so um, this morning, we're continuing in our series called Abide. Um, it's a three-week series. This is week two. Um, so Graham preached for us last week. Um, and today, I hope, will be, uh, it might feel a little bit different as kind of like a type of sermon. Um, but I, I hope it's going to be very, very practical um, for us this morning. And then next week, we'll continue in talking about um, what it means to bear fruit. And so this idea of this whole series is this, is that God accomplishes his work in us and through us when we abide in him. God accomplishes his work in us and through us when we abide in him. And this comes from John chapter 15, such an important passage of the Bible. And it's why we wanted to do this series, because we believe that abiding in Christ is the point of our Christian life. It is what empowers and enables us to follow Jesus and live the Christian life. And so my goal today that we have practical help in what it means to abide, because we want to be it's going to help us be the kind of people that we want to be. So imagine yourself as like 80 years old, maybe 90. I don't know, whatever you think, right? And you're either sitting in your chair or you're sitting on your balcony, whatever it is, but just picture yourself, okay? And think about it. When you look ahead to however far that is, what kind of person do you want to be? Who do you want to be? How do you want to be known? Do you want to be known as someone who's kind and loving and gracious? Or do you want to be known as someone who's just constantly grumpy and stressed out? And so my hope for this series of Abide and today is that we can put things in place in our lives right now that shape us and form us into the people that we want to be. People who are gracious and loving and peaceful and generous and content and filled with joy, but ultimately people who are loving and following Jesus with our whole hearts. So the things that we put in our lives now will take us to who we become for better or worse in the future, right? So if you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 15, um, and we're going to read verses 4 and 5 today. It'll be on the screen as well. But as Graham preached last week, when we read John 15, we see this word, abide. It's an interesting word that I think we, we kind of understand it, but we don't always, I don't think it always clicks like exactly what it means or like how to do it. And so uh, Graham used the example like your home is your abode. So it's a similar word there that's kind of the place where you live, where you remain, where you stay, right? In French, the word is reste. I'm probably pronouncing that very poorly because I'm not fluent in French. But I like the mental picture that that gives us of to stay, to rest. And so I think this abiding has that imagery in it, that abiding is resting in full dependence on Jesus, staying connected to him. 
All right, so we're going to read John 15, verses 4 and 5. And as we read this, this is Jesus speaking to us here. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me pray for us again. God, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, whether we're sitting here in this room or whether we're online, God, we want to meet with you today. We want to listen. God, let our hearts be open that God, you would teach us how to pursue you and seek you and abide in you. Lord, meet with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll get to the scripture here in a moment. But think about this. When we're doing something new, it works really well to have a pattern or a method to follow. So think about exercise. And maybe for some people, that's an exciting thought. Maybe you're just like, uh, no, let's not talk about exercise. I don't really know. But if you start something new, some new workout regimen or something, you really need like a book or a website or a friend or like a person or a coach or someone to, um, to, to help you, to tell you what to do and how to do it. Like you can get hurt otherwise. There's all kinds of things, right? And so they're saying like, okay, you're getting these patterns, work out on these days, rest on these days, eat these things, run this far, lift this much, whatever it is, right? Um, these things will help you be stronger and healthier. So think about that in our spiritual life. We want to think about this. What are the healthy patterns that we can create? What are the healthy patterns and rhythms of abiding in Christ? So that's what we want to get to this morning, and hopefully it's practical for you. Now here's the problem. Those of us who are Christians, followers of Jesus, we tend towards either laziness or legalism. When we think about spiritual practices, some people call them spiritual disciplines, we think about these things, we tend towards laziness or legalism. Now, laziness is pretty self-explanatory. It sounds kind of like this. Yes, my spiritual life is important, but it takes time, it takes work, it takes discipline, it takes energy. And so our laziness convinces us to keep scrolling or to keep sleeping, or to keep watching Netflix, right? Don't you love when Netflix gets all judgy and says, are you still watching? Like, that's like a, the epitome of like, yes, yes, I'm still watching, right? You just like continue, right? But laziness or apathy kills our spiritual growth, and it kills our abiding in Christ. Now, legalism is, in, in ways, it's kind of the opposite, because it kind of sounds like this. It says, I'm going to read my Bible every day, I'm going to pray, I'm going to stay disciplined, I'm going to work hard, and if I do, then God will be pleased with me. He'll be proud of me. I will have earned his favor and earned my spiritual growth, but legalism kills our spiritual growth. It kills our abiding because it leads to pride at our accomplishments or despair when we fail. So legalism is going to make us say, well, I'm better than him. I'm, I'm doing better than them. Well, look at me. Look what I've done. Or it brings us to the point where we just say, like, I cannot keep up with this. I can't be good enough. I can't do all the things I'm supposed to do. That's the despair. And so legalism leads us to those things. And so what I want us to see this morning, though, is abiding is an active thing. It's not laziness, but it's also not legalism. Because we do take action, but not to earn something from God but rather we take action so that we can abide and rest in Him and that we can know 
him. So hear me today. Nothing in this sermon is meant to be legalistic or to add burden to your life. It's meant to be life-giving as we actively abide in Jesus. So if, if we want to be the people that we desire to be when we are old, learning the practices of abiding in Christ matter a whole lot for right now, for today. The things that we do, the patterns that we create will end up shaping our lives and our futures. And so my longing and my prayer is that I could abide, daily abide in Christ, allowing him to work in me and through me. And I will tell you, church, I do not have this figured out. I have wrestled with this even this week of saying, like, how can I preach on this? I don't do all of this perfectly. I don't have every one of these practices in my life. I'm not always abiding in Christ. And so, like, there's this, like, disconnect because I don't want to stand up here and say, this is the way to do it. I'm in the same boat as you of saying, I need the grace of God, and I'm learning and taking these steps together. That's why I think it's good this morning because what we're going to do is I'm not going to say, do this, do this. We're going to look to Jesus as our model and see the things that he did and pattern our lives after him. And so kind of my main idea of this sermon this morning is this, is the life of Jesus is our pattern for a life of abiding in Jesus. We're going to see the things that he did, the ways that he lived, and say, okay, that's our pattern because I know in my own self that I'm inadequate and in need of the grace of God and I don't have this all figured out and I fail at it often. So, the life of Jesus is our pattern for a life of abiding in Jesus. Let's look at our scripture again, John 14. I did this last service. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus tells us to abide in him. He says, abide in me and I in you. He gives us the image of a branch connected to a vine, receiving its life and sustenance from the vine. Picture probably like a grapevine or something like that, where the only way that those things produce fruit is when the vine is connected. This is, you know, it wasn't rocket science, but the moment that you cut that off, it's theoretically dead and not bearing fruit anymore. And Graham led us through this last week. You can go back on our website and listen to the first part of the sermon if you want. A vine only bears fruit when it's connected to the vine. When we stop abiding, we disconnect from the source. Our lives will, will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. Well, not, and the fruit of God working through us. And so next week, we're going to talk more about this aspect of this passage of bearing fruit. How do we bear fruit? What does that look like in our lives? It's foundational. This, this passage here, John 15, and I, my encouragement to you is read it and read it and read it again and think about it and let God shape you and form you because this is, if there was a key to the Christian life, this is it. Because it only, we only can follow Jesus and live like him when we are abiding in him. It's, it's, it's foundational. So I, I recently finished a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's by a pastor named John Mark Comer. Um, I recommend it. Um, it's very helpful for these types of the, what we're talking about today. And all, some of the thoughts from the sermon, I'm borrowing from him. So uh, just uh, put that out there. Credit to him. It's, uh, it's good. It's useful. I enjoyed it. Um, and so some of these things are borrowed from him as we go through. So the life of Jesus is our pattern for a life of abiding in Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 19, here's what it says. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So what do we see here? We see Jesus modeling abiding in Christ. 
He's modeling dependence on God and connection to God the Father. So we want to see, like Jesus regularly, regularly did this. When you look in the Gospels, often he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. This is abiding. This is connection, dependence. So we want to look and see what he did. So my question is, how do we abide? What does it look like? What are some of the practices we see in Jesus that we can put in place in our lives that lead us to abiding in him? I'm going to look at three practices this morning. There's probably a whole lot more, but these are the three we're going to talk about. And they are stillness, scripture, and Sabbath. All right, this morning's going to be pretty quick overview of these three things. It's not a to-do list. These practices are not the main point, but they help lead us to the main point, which is knowing and loving Jesus. If you've ever done gardening or known someone done gardening, has done that or something, there's this concept of a trellis, right? And I have a picture up here of a trellis. And a trellis is like a wooden structure that allows the, the fruit or the vine to grow up the, the structure, so that's what I want these practices. I want you to have that in your mind this morning. These practices are like a trellis in our life that allows for the organic growth of God working in us, right? If you plant something and you have no trellis, then it's just kind of like growing along the ground and probably won't bear fruit the way it's supposed to, right? Also, um, if you have like this massive trellis, but you don't plant anything, then you just have this massive piece of wood, right? And so these things work together. The trellis... These, the, the, the practices that we can put in our life are like a trellis that allows the vine to grow and flourish. And so we're going to circle back to that in a little bit. It's helpful for me to think about it in that way. Again, that these practices are not the point. They are the trellis that, bring, that allows for the growth to happen in our lives. So here we go. Practice number one, stillness. This is a hard one. So think to yourself, on a scale of one to ten, one being like not at all and ten being quite a bit, how much stillness and quiet do you have in your life? A lot of days, I'm probably at like a one or two. Um, that's not, you know, we have kids in the house and people create noise, but that's not their fault, right? I, you know, in any moment, I've got my headphones in, I'm listening to something, I'm doing something, right? We live in a noisy world. We have a lot of like actual physical noise all around us, but we also have tons of mental noise, right? You can sit in a silent room and be on Facebook or Instagram, and it's completely silent around you, but there is, it's noise filling up our lives. In order to abide in Christ, we must remove some of the noise from our lives and learn to practice stillness. And Jesus is our model in this. If you read through the Gospels, over and over again, we see Jesus getting away from the noise and from the crowds and being with the Father. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this about Jesus. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. What's happening here? Jesus was busy. He was surrounded by people and lived with all kinds of demands and pressures on his life. But he regularly got away from it all. If you kind of also, side note, if you notice, I don't have prayer listed as one of these practices. Um, it's because I think that prayer is woven into all of these things. 
in the stillness and scripture and Sabbath, prayer is the communication, the talking and listening to God that's, um, I don't think we should just assume prayer, but I'm asking you this morning to assume that prayer, talking and listening to God is part of all of these things. Because Jesus got away to pray, to be with the Father. There's a writer from the early 1900s named Andrew Murray. He said this, and this is like, it's so good. So the, the quote's gonna be on the screen. He said, if you and I want to be like Jesus, we must especially contemplate Jesus praying alone in the wilderness. This is the secret of his wonderful life. Christ-like praying in secret will be the secret of Christ-like living in public. Think about it and just ponder that of Jesus getting away. This is where his, this was his source connected to the Father, being with God. And regularly, he got away from the crowds. And it's the same for us that as we are in the stillness, in the presence of God, that is what, that is the, the, the source of living our lives like Christ in the rest of the, in public. Okay, so what we're going to do, uh, I'm going to go through these things and then we're going to kind of go back and make them practical here in a moment. So that's kind of an overview. Stillness, right, is so vital. Second thing is scripture. Practice number two is scripture. Most likely, we probably feel a little bit more comfortable with this one. Um, be like, okay, yes, I should read my Bible, right? Yes, and that's it. And the truth is, like, if you want to be more like Jesus and grow in your faith, you must engage with the Bible on a regular basis. As Christians, without God's Word in our lives and us putting it into our lives and putting it into practice, we will not grow in our faith. Right? And it's easy enough to say, yes, I should read my Bible more. And it's much more difficult to actually do it. And again, Jesus is our pattern. When you read the life of Jesus, you see, you'll see that he knew the Scriptures, and the Scriptures shaped how he lived. When Jesus was in the desert, was tempted in the desert, how did he respond to the temptation? Over and over he said, it is written. God's Word was, the Scriptures were woven into his life. When he went into the synagogues, when he spoke in the synagogues, what did he do? He recited the scriptures. Jesus was the Son of God, yes, but he was also fully human. And he learned, he read and learned and memorized and meditated on the words of God. The Bible is how we know who God is and how we as humans see our need for salvation. It is vital. It's vital that we put it into our lives. Again, like a trellis, when we regularly engage with the Bible, we are creating space for God to mold us and shape us as we abide in Jesus. So we'll make this practical here in a moment. But the third practice is practice number three is Sabbath. Sabbath. This is probably a word, maybe some baggage. Maybe it's like, okay, maybe it feels old-fashioned or outdated. Um, I, I, I mentioned, I don't know if anyone's read, I said this in the, the last service, the, the book series, Little House on the Prairie. Anybody familiar with that, right? So it describes like, uh, it describes the Sabbath. This was in the 1800s. And like, they did not describe it in a cheerful way. It was like, you go to church, you go sit and you don't play and you just like stare at the wall and it's Sabbath. You are resting. Okay, that's sometimes the idea that we have in our minds of Sabbath. And maybe you're like, that's just too complicated. It's not for me. But let's, let's back up a little bit. What is Sabbath? Well, familiar. It goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, to the book of Genesis, when God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And this is the pattern that he gave to the Israelite people, one of the things that set them apart from the world and cultures around them. For the Jewish people, Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday and ends at sundown on Saturday. 
In the Old Testament, it's a very, very big deal. And the Old Testament gives um, a lot of details about what this means and what it looks like, things you should do and shouldn't do. But the, the, what we need to see, though, is that the Sabbath was considered holy and set apart for the Lord. It was a day of resting from work and enjoying God, enjoying each other, and enjoying life. And then in the New Testament, Jesus models for us this practice of Sabbath. We see many times when Jesus on the Sabbath specifically does things, he is, first of all, he's, he's taking part in practicing the Sabbath, but then he also expanded this and made it, um, takes it even further for us. In, in, in Mark, book of Mark again, chapter 2, we see an account of Jesus on the Sabbath. And he's walking through a field with his disciples, and they start to pick some of the grain and eat it. And the religious leaders saw this. I think they're like following them, right? They have to be like following them around. They see this and they call them out for breaking the Sabbath. Remember, no work, right? So they were saying, you are harvesting wheat or whatever it was. And like, okay. But what does Jesus do? Jesus goes on to tell them in verses 27 and 28 of Mark chapter 2. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What is Jesus communicating here? He's communicating the legalistic keeping of the Sabbath is not the main point. The point is that the Sabbath is a gift for us to enjoy. It is something for us to obey. It is to be set apart. It is to be holy, but it is a gift for us to enjoy. Because weekly Sabbath is one of the practices that helps us slow down, helps us be still, it helps us abide in Christ. It's a gift for rest and worship. Think about that, that one day a week that you can say, I don't have to produce, I don't have to accomplish, the weight of the world is not on my shoulders, I can put my attention on God, and there's, from the book I was reading, there's all kinds of studies and things that show some fascinating things about Sabbath and the importance of that rhythm of rest one day a week. So it is a gift to us for rest and worship. It's interesting because it's also a form of resistance. Resistance against our modern culture, which is constantly wanting more, constantly pressing us to do more, to buy more, to be more, to produce more. And so Sabbath is a way that we as the people of God can say, you know what, we're not going to do that. We resist and we stand back and say, we can be the people of God and people will see in us the work of God when we regularly practice Sabbath. All right, what could these practices look like in your life? They will look slightly different for everyone. Here's the good news this morning. We're going to go back through these things and make them practical. You can build your own trellis, which is really good news, right? You can say, okay, let's look at Jesus and see the things that matter and work for me, the things that lead me into abiding in Jesus. So I'm going to give some ideas and some starting points. These are called practices because they take a lifetime of practice. We work on them. We keep going. So going back to number one, stillness. How do we cultivate stillness in our lives? Um, I grew up um, in the book that I read kind of 
gave this example too, but it's my story as well. I grew up in a church and church culture where the quiet time was a big deal. Quiet time, devotion, that kind of thing. Like you go to summer camp and it's like, no, at 8 a.m. is quiet time from 8 to 8.15. Then you eat breakfast, whatever it was, right? So I grew up in this culture and it's a good thing. But I think the danger for us is it's easy to be like, oh, that's just legalism. That's, you know, we can't, we don't have to, we can, it's a little more, it's a little looser, you know. But here's what I would say in this practice of stillness. Bring back the quiet time. What can that look like for you? A time in your day of stillness, of Scripture, of prayer, of interacting with God, of talking and listening to God. I think the way that we bring, that, like some actual practical thing is we have to, one of the things that we have to wrestle with is the question of how technology impacts our spiritual life. And maybe you'll have to make some hard decisions there. I'm in the midst of that. Like I will often, I, I sit down in the morning to read my Bible and yet my watch gives me notifications and my phone is there and it's going off. And, it's, and so I'm going to say, okay, I need to like take my watch off and take my phone and put them somewhere else so that I can be still and not have that level of noise. And so you have to think through, how is technology impacting my life? And so maybe you could commit to a daily quiet time away from technology, away from your phone. What would it look like? For most of us, I speak for myself, right? We wake up, you roll over, you look at your phone. That's a pretty bad way to start our morning, right? And so what would it look like to say, you know what, before I'm on my phone, I'm going to take time to be still, to pray, to read Scripture, to set my heart on the Lord, um, I've also heard the example given of like, you know, we've got kids and at nighttime, it's like, okay, it is bedtime. Some people treat their phones that way. They say, okay, it's 830, it is bedtime for the phone and it goes away and it's done. Whatever it is for you, that's what we have to, those are the kind of practical things we have to wrestle through to say, how can I cultivate stillness and quiet in my life? How can you move up on that stillness scale that we talked about? And there's a whole host of things. For me, one practical thing, um, I like to run. And I usually run with headphones in, listening to podcasts or sermon or music or something. And so this past week, I made that, I said, you know what? I'm going to choose at least one day a week when I go run that I'm just going to have nothing. Just to have that time for stillness and quiet. So those are the kind of things I think are important to say. What are the adjustments that I can make that open me up to have more times of stillness? Here's the challenge. Create times of stillness in your life. Jesus is our pattern for that, of regularly getting away. Practice number two, back to Scripture. Here's how it's practical. Um, And again, it's going to look different in different ways. But here's what I would say. Engage with God's Word daily. Read it. Listen to it. There's lots of ways to listen to it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Whatever those things are for you, read and engage with God's Word daily. When we meditate on Scripture, we're simply just thinking about what we've already read. We're thinking about what God has said. It's like we're holding it up and looking at it from different angles. What would this mean? What does it mean if it's, you know, what is this saying? What is God speaking? But, but I think the challenge is as you build your trellis, in that trellis, how are you engaging with Scripture on a daily basis? 
If you want more resources on that, then, then let us know. We'd love to connect you in discipleship or in, um, if you're already in that, talk to the person, your discipleship leader. Um, but we, we would love to give more resources and help on that. Um, but again, I, I think it's difficult for me to tell you exactly what to do other than say it is so vital that if we want to walk with Jesus to engage with God's word on a daily basis. Practice number three of Sabbath. Here's the challenge, to practice the Sabbath weekly. It is truly a gift, I promise. For me, for about, about two years is when I've really put this into practice in my life. And so for me, Monday is a Sabbath day. Often Sundays are busy and long and different things. And so I've chosen to say, okay, Monday, I disconnect, spend extra time reading, take it slow. Kids go to school. Often Abby and I will go, you know, right now it's super cold. But, you know, when it's not, we'll go for a walk or go eat lunch. When we used to have restaurants, you remember those? Um, and so we would, you know, things like that. But it's a way... Um, and also, if I don't respond to phone calls or emails or things on Monday, that's why, right? Um, because it, I, have, I have to disconnect and you have to disconnect. Because it is a gift. And it is not legalistic that it has to be this day or has to be this day. But whatever it is, my challenge would say, what can I do consistently to say, I have a day of the week where I disconnect and I put my attention on the Lord and I am resting so rest on that day. Maybe it means you disconnect from devices and screens. It's a day to dedicate to worship and to rest and to slowing down and to do things that are refreshing for you. For me, it's refreshing to go for a long run. For you, that might not be it. It's fine. But do the things that are refreshing for you. And as a side note, just sitting on the couch all day and watching Netflix, I would not say is the full definition of Sabbath, Right? It's fine to do that sometimes. And even on Sabbath, enjoy a movie, enjoy something. Just, but, but I don't think it's just like zoning out all day. Sabbath is designed where we are putting our attention, centering our hearts back on the Lord. Secondly, or, or with that, so it's rest. But remember, it's also a form of resistance. Really, it's weird. In our culture, it's weird to say, no, I have a day where I'm not doing anything. I have a day where I'm not trying to do more, be more, produce more, buy more. It can make us look odd, right? It can make us stand out. But what Sabbath teaches us and shows the world around us that the world does not rest on our shoulders. It rests on God. And so let us then, as the church, show the world what it looks like when we live set apart, when we abide in Christ. I get it. This is a very quick overview of these things. You can go a whole lot deeper, but, but the, the thing is, the challenge, the, the invitation for us is to say, what are the things I need to implement in my life that bring me into a place of abiding in Christ? And there's a whole lot more. There's, there's other practices. There's fasting, and, and then you could specifically talk about prayer and different things. There's all kinds of things, but... Um, I, just, I think, starting with these three this morning, and I think they're so important for us as individuals and for us as a church to say, we want to look like Jesus. We want to follow him in our lives. So what kind of person do you want to be in five or 10 or 25 years? Practices like these that lead us into abiding in Christ will change the way that we live and change the people that we become. So think about some next steps that you can take. Maybe today or tomorrow you need to get a notebook and just start to think through what these practices and patterns could look like in your life. 
Maybe you're going to say, you know what, I need to add some more of this. I need to take some of this out. I need to get rid of some of this noise. I need to add in Scripture. Whatever it is, you can construct and build your trellis. But as you're doing that, I, I, my encouragement would be to take action on those things. Begin. Don't, don't, you don't have to do it all at once. It doesn't have to be this like one-day overhaul of your life. But what are some things that you can begin implementing that are leading you into building this trellis? And as it gets bigger and bigger and things grow, God is working in us. And remember, these are not meant to be legalistic. but They're meant to be life-giving to us. Let's read John 15 again, verses 4 and 5. Just listen again. is the invitation that Jesus gives to us. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is an invitation to us to know God. Just think about that for a moment. Think about what Jesus is inviting us into, into relationship with himself. This is grace. God has every right to say the complete opposite. He has every right to say, stay away because of your sin, because of your rebellion. He has every right to cut us off. But that is not what he does. It is an open invitation where Jesus says, come to me. Abide in me. Connect to me. Get your source and your life from me. This is grace. We don't have to earn our own way. We don't have to like muscle through and be good enough. We rest in him and he does his work in us and through us. This points us to the good news, to the gospel that Christianity is not doing more to get to God. It is God sending Jesus to live a sinless life and to die on the cross in our place and to rise, to raise from the dead. And for us, we do not get to God by saying, I'm more, I'm better, I'm working harder, I've got everything in line. We come to God only by faith, by actually saying, I give up, I can't do it on my own, but I put my faith in Jesus and we can enter into the joy of, of an abiding life in Jesus. And all of these practices then become the ways that we are in relationship with God, knowing and enjoying Him in our daily lives. So ask yourself this morning, are you daily placing your trust in Jesus? That's what the the abiding life is, is daily saying, I put my faith in you. I'm not earning, I'm resting. Maybe this morning if you're hearing this and you're not a follower of Jesus, that is what God has done. That is what he's inviting you into, into relationship with himself. And God invites us to come and say, yes, I have sin. I have sinned against God. I'm broken and I cannot fix myself. And as we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus as the Savior who has come and died on the cross and rose from the dead, we put our faith in him. He forgives our sin. And it's only when we turn and say, Jesus, I need you. Would you rescue me out of my sin? Would you make me new? And that invitation is open to us. But for those who are followers of Jesus, it's daily that we need to say, Jesus, I put my faith in you today. I need you. I rest in you. Would you work in me and through me? The life of Jesus 
is our pattern for a life of abiding in Jesus. If you have questions, whether online or in the room, we'd love to, ta- to chat with you after. Um, if you want more um, ideas of practices and things like that, we'd love to talk with you. If you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, reach out to us. Um, if we can pray for you, um, whatever it is, we want to connect and communicate. This morning, we're going to continue. Um, not Siri, sorry. We're going to continue in worship and um, just taking a moment to think about um, what it means that uh, the song that we're going to sing says, In Christ alone, my hope is found. It's a reminder of the abiding life. It's a reminder that we find our hope in Him.